Father, we know that you are near to us as we go through our day-to-day lives. We know that in our minds, but oftentimes it is difficult for us to feel that in our hearts, for us to really experience that among the day-to-day grind of our work and, and the struggles that we face. Father, we pray that we would be able to experience you every single day in a way that will encourage us to follow you. And I know that by saying that, Father, that it doesn't start with you, but it starts with us. It starts with us desiring to experience you and being open to your leading every day. Father, it's very easy for us to go through our lives and not be open to your leading because we just don't have time or we have struggles or we have issues or we have family things. And Father, it is very easy for us to put you to the side rather than making you first and foremost in our lives. Lord, one of the ways that we can make you first and foremost in our lives is just take a moment right now to go to you and just ask for forgiveness for anything in our life that doesn't need to be there. Any sin, any struggle, any brokenness, anything that we wish we could have done and we didn't do, anything that we could have done differently, anything that we should have done but we didn't do, whatever it may be that's, that's keeping us from really following you this evening. We're just going to go and each of us individually just go and ask for forgiveness for that thing. Let's just do that right now. Father, forgive us and help us to be able to be able to worship you, to be able to love you, to be able to know you. Father, we pray this evening as we talk about communication that you would just grant us the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we may be able to go out and that we may be able to communicate as you would have us communicate, to be able to build each other up rather than tear each other down. That's our prayer this evening. Father, we pray that as we meditate on your word tonight, that you will help that be a reality in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Well, tonight we don't have a uh, movie clip, and the reason is we're going to talk about language that belittles and tears people down. Um, It's very easy for me to find clips like that from Hollywood, um, but they're not appropriate for church. Um, And so we're just going to go ahead and talk about this very simple message um, here today. Uh, Although I will say that um, even though what we're going to talk about tonight is pretty simple, um, it was deceptively, deceptively difficult for me to talk about, and I feel like in both services... I went direction A in the first service, direction B in the second service, and neither one of them really worked. So I'm going to try something even a little different tonight, and we'll see if we can get to the heart of the matter tonight, and we'll see what happens. So, um, so what I want to do tonight is we're going to be on the double-edged sword, and we're going to be talking about this issue of how when we get further away from God, that our language will hurt not only ourselves, but all those around us. Around us. It actually damages The Bible says not only ourselves, not only our families and friends, not only our neighbors, our co-workers, but also our communities and even our societies and nations, if you can believe that, right? Um, And we'll talk about how that is. Let's start with this issue of the double-edged sword. That's the name of our series that we're working through. What does double-edged sword mean in English? It's a metaphor. It basically means something that can cut both ways, something that can be really good and really bad. And the thing the Bible talks more about probably than anything as being a double-edged sword is our tongue, our mouth, the way that we communicate. 
When we think about it, our mouth, our tongue, how we communicate to each other can be very good and it can be very bad. We can bless someone with the same mouth that we curse someone. We can lift someone up with the same mouth that we tear them down with. And if you're like me, and I know all of you are because you're in church and you cannot lie tonight, then we both struggle with those issues, right? I mean, we do both, and so that's the problem. So our four-week series is the good, the bad, and the ugly of our mouths, um, how these, our mouths can, can do good and can do bad and can do everything in the middle. We've done a couple weeks of good, and now we're going to start more and more on the bad um, part of it. Let's look at Proverbs 18.21. Here's what Proverbs says. The tongue can bring death or life, meaning our words, how we communicate, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. When we think about it, we speak, and we will either speak death, poorly, badly, negatively, or we will speak life, goodly, righteously, positively, encouragingly, godly. And whichever way we speak, there will be consequences of both ways. And so the Bible's telling us here that if we want to speak however we speak, that there will be a consequence for how we speak. And so therefore, it is imperative that we speak in a godly way, in a good way, with a way of life rather than a way of death. All right, let's talk about uh, our strategy here. Before I do, some of you uh, may find it unusual that we're talking about communication in church. Why do we spend uh, probably three, four weeks a year talking about communication here at BBC? Well, one thing is it's in our value statement. One of our values, uh, we have 12 values, and one of them is good communication. Why is that? Does that, that sounds like a pop psychology kind of thing, right? Why is good com communication one of our values here at BBC? It's one of our values because in... As we go through life, almost always conflicts start how? By bad communication. We talk and we say things to other people. They misunderstand what we say. We hurt their feelings and conflicts arise. Almost all, I won't say all, but almost all conflicts in your workplace, in your family, and in your church come about by miscommunication. This is the reason why the Bible spends, and this is the second thing I was going to mention of its importance, is the Bible spends more time talking about communication than it does, for example, heaven or hell. You would think that the Bible would spend, because the Bible is religious and we're in church and all that sort of thing, that the Bible would spend more time talking about heaven or hell, but it really doesn't. It spends more time talking about communication because the way that we use our words can profoundly build people up or terribly tear them down. And for us to be the people of God, it's really critical that our words are building people up rather than tearing them down. So let's look at our strategy. Last uh, first week of the first in our first week of our first whatever the first week in our series um, We talked about finding the right words, which I could not do right there We wanted to find the right words so that when we speak that we're speaking in a way that will build people up and encourage them We talked about the fact that um, we introduced this idea That sometimes the Bible says that it's better not to say anything at all than to talk and hang ourselves You know we give ourselves more rope to hang ourselves on when we keep talking when sometimes we just need to be quiet and we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight, too, because the Bible actually does recommend being quiet as being a very good thing. Um, even sometimes, as we're going to talk about tonight, even more so than sometimes saying something that is good or godly. And we'll, we'll develop that. Second week, last week, we talked about speaking wisely. And, and we talked about that as we are communicating with people, that the Bible calls us who are followers after God to speak with wisdom and speak with helpfulness good advice to people in our world but the problem is as we talked about last week is that that can be hard to do why because when we consider ourselves and we consider our world if we were to ask for a moment who of you is wise 
well, we'd all say we're all wise, right? So we all speak with wisdom. How many of you here tonight are wise? Don't raise your hand. How many of you are wise? We did this last week. How many of you are wise? Well, all of you are. David, yeah, okay, we have one honest man in the whole church, right? He just went ahead and admitted, I'm, I heard this last week, I'm going to just go and raise my hand today. Right, that's right. If you asked all of us, we're all like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of wise. Ah, yeah, I can see it. I'm getting some wisdom, right? We all feel that way. Nobody thinks that they're unwise. The problem is, though, is that we live in a world where there are lots of people who claim wisdom, but that doesn't mean they're wise. And more importantly, when they speak to others, it may not necessarily help them out, help be helpful to those, especially in a godly way. Last week, we debunked the idea that age and education bring about wisdom. What is the source of true wisdom in our world from last week? God, right? And so it is highly probable, um, it is quite possible for a person who is 18 and uneducated to be more wise than someone who is old and educated. Why? If that person is relying on the Lord and looking to, for the Lord to give them wisdom rather than um, the old and educated person. And for exhibit A of that, you can watch TV and you'll see lots of old educated people who are very unwise and recommend all kinds of bad stuff, right? So we know that. So last week we talked about this because speaking wisely um, allows us to speak good and build other people up. Now we're going to talk today about the dangers and some of the issues that come into play when we do not speak wisely, when we do not speak well, when we speak badly, and what happens with that. So today we're going to talk about building up our community, building up people around us by the way that we communicate. For July 4th, I decided that I was going to do Proverbs 10 again, but I moved to Proverbs 11 because it's similar ideas. But Proverbs 11 actually talks about how our language, like I mentioned a minute ago, actually can damage not only people close to us, but also our communities and our societies and that sort of thing. And we're going to touch on that a little bit tonight. All right, let's get to it. Proverbs 11, um, verses 9 and 11 through 13. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you're welcome to do that. It'll be up on the big screen as well. Let's look at Proverbs 11, 9. 11 through 13. Here we go. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Let me just pause here, because again, the knowledge that Proverbs is talking about is the idea of more knowledge of God, knowing Him, knowing His ways, than it is talking about trivia that we may learn on Wikipedia, okay? That is not knowledge in the biblical sense. Um, knowledge is us understanding and knowing God. So with their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge of God's will will rescue the righteous. Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. All right, we're going to work down through this. First idea, you can follow along in your handouts, but the first idea we're going to talk about is that we must see the effects of our words. Let me just get right down to it. Our words, when we speak them, have an effect on each other. Um, as an example, if I were to say something hurtful to someone here tonight, you would remember that probably today, tomorrow, and probably for a long time. If I took Lisandro outside and I said something really negative about him outside, he might remember that all the days of his life. Let me give you a proof, right? Um, if you think about it for a second... All of you, think way back to like 1905 or some long time ago in your life, right? Think about when someone said something hurtful to you when you were like 12 or 13 or 16 or 18. Can you think of someone who said something hurtful to you? Of course you can. We all can. Why? Because when people say hurtful things to each other, they stick with us, right? 
Of course, I made the 1905 joke. It worked in the first service, and some people were like, Pastor, I, was, I wasn't born until like 1915. Why are you saying 1905, right? Um, it's okay. It doesn't really matter what year it was. We just remember in our past that we can see how people have said things to us that have been very negative who have hurt us, and it still stays with us. Maybe we were in third grade, and a teacher said something very painful to us, and you know, it was inappropriate and just hurtful, and we still remember it to this day. Maybe we were in high school, and we wanted to go out with this person, or, or the prom queen, or the, the, the jock, or the hero, or whatever, and, and the person said something very hurtful to us, told us that we were overweight, or that we had acne, or something like that, but not in those words, right? And we still remember it to this day, and it's still, sometimes when we think about it, yeah, it's like still painful, right? See, the problem is, though, is that the, our words have an effect, though, beyond even the receiver of them, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go into this um, because it's easy for us to think that when I say something hurtful to one of us, it stays with us. But that's not really true. It doesn't. Our words are the easiest way to destroy others. Let me just pick up here in Proverbs eleven nine. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Our words are the easiest way to destroy other people. If you want to destroy someone, how are you going to do it? You're not going to go burn down their home, go to the bank, rob the bank, and take all their money. You're not going to beat them up. What are you going to do? You're going to say bad words about them. If I want the quickest and easiest and most painless way for me to destroy Ramir, it would be easy for me to just make up gossip and innuendo and say bad things about him to the point where everyone believed them rather than attack him physically. Because if I attack him physically, you know, if I go and try to hurt him physically, well, he could hurt me back. Maybe not likely, but he could still try, right? Oh, he's not in here, so I can say anything I want. All right, good. All right, cool. He would never win. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, so the thing is, is that, though, but most of us, and, and, I, and I'm not talking about BBCers here, but I'm talking about most people, that would be in the 99%, would just rather talk bad about someone because talking bad about someone is easier to destroy them. It's easier to damage a person. Let me give you an example. When you go to work on Monday, let's say that you and another person are both vying for a promotion at work, okay? You're both vying for a promotion at work. You, per, you're person A, person B. You guys are going at it trying to get the promotion, all right? And the thing is, you really need a ski boat because you haven't been skiing in a while. You want to go out in the river. You need a ski boat desperately you need to get that promotion so you can get a ski boat you want that ski boat right and so what happens is is that the boss tells you one of you are going to get the promotion by the end of the week whoever i feel is the best employee is going to get the promotion and by the way you're thinking ski boat ski boat ski boat we could <laughs> we could if we were this employee and desiring this promotion we could work really hard that week we could we could try to be a real team player we could try to be encouraging so that, you know, in an honest way, so that people in our workplace feel that they are treasured and valued. We could, we could go to the boss, and without sucking up, we could just be, you know, a, a, a trying try to be a help to him and understand the role and, and try to catch the vision for what he wants to do. But that's a lot of work, right? So we don't do that. What do we do? What would be very easy for us to do? And not us specifically, but just people in general. Well, we can just trash talk the other person, and then by pushing them down, we'll be the one to get the promotion, right? I mean, in your workplace, you've never heard or never seen anyone trash talk someone else to get a to get a hit, right? You, you guys never experienced that, right? Never. Okay. 
Of course, I'm being facetious, right? We see that all the time. Why? Because it's easier to destroy someone with our mouth than it is to build them up. That's, that's the way it is. And, and our heart condition, as we talked about last week, our heart condition reveals how, where we are in this way. Because if our heart is, is absent from God, is away from God, um, it's, it becomes easier and we justify it more in our minds to say bad things about people than if we're close to God and we're, we're really in tight with Him. Our words are the easiest way to destroy others. If I want to tear down Ramir or Lisandro or anybody else, it's quicker, it's more painless, it's certainly more bloodless to be able to just say bad things about them than to trash them, right? And it hurts more. I mean, I didn't mention this in the first service, but let's just be honest. If, if Lisandro and I, and I'll just pick it on him for tonight, but if he and I decide that, uh, I, I decide I want to destroy Lisandro, then I could, you know, I could say bad things about him. I could also punch him in the face. And if I punch him in the face, I guarantee what will happen. It will hurt for a while, but what, what will happen a, a month later? The pain of it will, will be gone, right? Because it's just a physical pain. Now, maybe the emotional pain of being hit by your pastor, I don't know. That might, that might linger for a while, right? But, but the physicalness is, is different than the emotional. I mean, when I, I, I was a boy, I was, uh, when I was younger, and I was pretty, aggre- I don't know, pretty aggressive, you know? I, you know, like a lot of boys, scrap and go out and play in the yard and run around the woods and stuff. And, and, you know, whenever there'd be an argument or a disagreement, you know, sometimes it would come to blows. But what always happens with little boys that fight? Does anybody know what happens with little boys? They, have, they fight it out, they punch each other out. What happens 15 minutes later? They, they make up and they go on, they're best friends for forever. That's right. Why? Because it doesn't hurt. But when we, when we say words and we communicate words to each other, we say hurtful things, they linger and they hurt and they damage who we are. I'm going to skip two slides because I realize one of the problems is I've got to slide ahead. Let me mention this here. The Bible says this, in the, in the original language, I want to bring this out, because it's hard to do this one in English. It says, with their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Now, it's easy for you here tonight to say, well, I'm not godless, I believe in God, so uh, this doesn't really apply to me, but, but you're missing the nuance there in the original language. In the original language, the nuance is, it describes someone who is estranged from God, and not someone who doesn't know God at all. So what it's really saying is this, is that, It says, with their words, the people who know God but are away from him in their hearts will destroy their friends, but knowledge, close knowledge of God and his will will rescue the righteous, right? Now it begins to make more sense because the thing is here is that when we know God and when we go away from him, when we drift away from him and we are estranged from him, then it's very easy for words to come out of our mouths that will hurt and destroy our friends but that when we draw closer to God and have knowledge of his plan for our lives, then we follow in his righteous step and our words improve, and we speak better to other people. Listen, the Bible knows that if, if someone has no knowledge of God and could care less about God, that they're going to talk however they want to. That's why the Bible's not talking here about someone who is, who is not a Christian. They're talking about people who are followers of God, followers of him, want to know him, but who are estranged from him. That's what happens in our world. Because we go through our day-to-day lives, and it's very easy for us to forget about God, except when we're at church, and then we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We forget about Him. We're not reading His Word. We're not growing. And so it is easy for us to become estranged. And what happens? As our hearts drift away, so too do our words. And that's where it's really critical, because it hurts and damages other people. What's worse, our words have a ripple effect. Here's the thing. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but, the, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. And then it goes on um, to verse 10 and 11. 
11 says, upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Well, how could the talk of, of evil people, and that's talking about non-Christians there, but how can the talk of people who hate God, how can our talk destroy a city? I mean, is that possible? I thought you need like catapults and battering rams to destroy a city. Or can talk really destroy a city? Well, here's the thing. Let's say that um, I go to Ramir and I tell Ramir, I say to him, you know what, Ramir, um, you are a terrible musician. You are a horrible singer, and you can't play guitar at all, right? So if I go to him and say that to him, we sort of get in this Western mindset where I'm only hurting him. Man, I'm giving it to him good, right? I'm giving him my two cents. But what happens? Let's, let's look at the trail of damage and hurt that occurs. So I call Ramir a, a terrible musician. Who am I hurting there? Well, number one, I'm hurting Ramir, right? We're all clear on that. I'm hurting Ramir, right? It's going to hurt his feelings, and I guarantee you, before he, on his deathbed, he's going to be like, oh, that mean old Pastor Douglas, he said I was a horrible musician and never got over it till that day, okay? Um, it's going to hurt him. How, who else is it going to hurt? Uh, it's going to hurt Verley, right? Because Verley's going to be like, I can't believe that mean old Pastor Douglas said that. I can't believe he said that. It really makes me mad, and it will bother her, too. Ladies, if you're married, how do you feel about that, right? If someone attacks your spouse, um, how do you feel about that? You don't like that, right? It's like they're attacking you. It's the same as true with friends, but with spouse, it's even, even more of an issue. So Verley's going to be mad. What about his kids? Yeah, they're going to be like, I can't believe Pastor Doug, you know, Pastor Douglas would say that about my dad, right? So they're going to have hurt feelings. What about his extended family? Yeah, they're going to be mad, right, too. What about when Ramir quit the worship team because of what I said. Guess how many people get hurt then? All of you, right? Because you're like, there's a broken relationship there. And you're like, well, how? I don't understand. Why is he quitting? Why is he leaving, right? I mean, it hurts you. And of course, it hurts me too. Why? Because I've made an enemy where I should have a friend. So when you think about it, the ripple effect is so, and you could even go further because you could say, well, it will diminish our possibility of reaching people who are non-believers who come into church and they're waiting to hear the gospel message, and it's me leading worship on Sunday morning, and they're like, oh, you know, terrible, you know what I mean? And so they don't even listen to the message, they just leave, right? That happens every Easter, by the way. People come in, they listen to the music, and then when I start to speak, they just, all, there's like 10% always just leave. Um, because I think they don't either don't understand, or they're just here, I don't know. Anyway, always funny. And, and so what happens is, is that when we talk hurtfully to people, it damages a lot of people around us. I mean, based upon the story, I mean, you could damage hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of people because of some hurtful words. That's the ripple effect. And the Bible even says that our words will tear us apart and it will tear our friends apart. And it will go even so far as tear our communities and our societies apart. The world is built on bad talk. I mean, when you get right down to it, I, I used the example this morning and I've been thinking through it all day. But, you know, when you look at the New York Times and I'm just picking on them, to the National Enquirer, right? Um, they're all built on what? There's some facts there, but a lot of stories, when you read everything and in, in, in between, it's an unnamed source said, uh, this person was a terrible whatever, right? And we have all these unnamed sources and all these allegations and all these statements, right? And it's hard to really get to what is the truth of the matter at times. And it's, it's all this innuendo that just becomes so difficult, and, and it just tears down things. You know what happens in your job? What happens in your job when someone... Um, hurts other people with their language. Is everything hunky-dory the next day? No. 
We're going to talk more about this in a second, but it causes, it, there's a ripple, and, and it causes damage, and, it, and you cannot, it takes forever to recover from it. So our words have a ripple effect, and the Bible says that, like in verse 11, that even all the way to uh, when the people who are wicked get involved in the talking game, that even it will destroy our communities and our society. That is the damage of words in our world. And why the Bible spends uh, enough time on words and communication. Okay, so here's the thing. We have to understand that when we speak badly, that when we speak from an estranged heart from God, that we're going to do damage with our words. We're going to damage the people around us, and we're going to damage ourselves as well. So here's two things we must not do at all. We must totally avoid. Two ways of speaking that we must totally avoid. Proverbs 11 here. is First of all, we must not belittle other people. Okay, This is definitely a sign of an estranged heart. This is a clear sign of us being estranged from God and being missing from Him is when we go and we belittle other people. What does belittling people mean? Belittling people means what? Making them little, right? Putting them down, putting them in their place, making them feel bad, right? And so when we talk about um, one of the things that really shows a strange heart, it would be belittling other people. We don't gain anything by putting down other people. This is the issue that the Bible talks about. Verse 12, it says, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor... A sensible person keeps quiet. It's foolish for us to belittle the people around us. Why? Because it doesn't really gain us anything. I mean, there's not really a situation where we can gain anything. Let me give an example. Let's say you go to work tomorrow morning, and you really want that ski boat. You really want that promotion. So you decide it'd be better to go ahead and, you know, let's be honest. You're not going to go to work early. You're not, you don't want to spend time with a boss. You don't like him. You don't want to work harder. You already work hard enough as it is. Forget all that stuff. It's just easy to just spread a little bit of untruth about your coworker. That just makes it easy, right? But the problem is you don't end up gaining anything anyway. Why not? Why don't you gain anything by just putting down your coworker uh, for one week and then getting the promotion and everything will be hunky-dory? Well, number one, you don't gain anything because your coworker is going to hate you for the rest of your life. Now, you could say, oh, well, Pastor, what if they're a Christian, they go to church? It doesn't matter. They're going to have a hard time forgiving you, right? Because all of us have a hard time forgiving people that really hurt us, don't they? We do, okay? So they're going to, number one, hate you, and you've created an enemy there by putting them down. Number two, your boss may fi- find out that you did that, and then what's your boss going to do? Well, your boss is going to be mad with you, and there's going to be a lot of problems and tension there. Uh, even if your boss doesn't get mad, and he says, wow, that's, uh, you, know, what, you have what it takes to make it, right? Um, The problem is he's sowing a a culture, and you're sowing a culture of distrust and disharmony in your workplace. How many of you want to work in a workplace where people actively snipe and attack each other, assuming you don't already work in a place like that? How many of you, does that sound like fun? Do you want to go to work like that? No, nobody wants that. We don't want to be in church like that. We don't want to be in families like that. We don't want to be in jobs like that, which is why we don't come to church. We don't go to family reunions, and we don't go to work, (laughs) because that's just easier, right? Well, we have to go to work. But we don't gain anything by putting other people down because ultimately it comes back to bite us. As a Christian, though, it's more than that. What would happen if you started a new job? Let's say last week you, you went through all the drama and you just said, I can't take anymore, so I'm going to start a new job. So you go to work this week on Monday. You go to work, and there's a, uh, you m- start meeting your coworkers. You start meeting your coworkers, and one of the coworkers, his name is Sally, and you're meeting all them individually, you know, and you're over, and so you go over to Sally's cubicle and say, hey, I just want to meet you. My name is Douglas, and you're Sally. Okay, cool. And she's like, yeah, yeah, cool, you know, awesome. She's like, well, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know, I'm a Christian. I go to church, you know, somewhere in the conversation, hopefully not first, maybe. Um, tells, maybe first, I don't know. Um, tells you that. And then says, you know, yeah, okay, well, let me give you, 
has anybody told you the deal here with uh, working here? No. So she's like, okay, so here's the thing. Bob, you know Bob? He's really fat. So be careful of him because he will steal your l- lunch food. And um, uh, uh, Jane, she's pregnant, and we don't really know who the baby's with, right? <laughs> well, okay, praise the Lord. I want to go to her church, right? No. And the problem is, as Christians, when we do things and we speak badly of other people, what happens is that the people in our world see that. They know that we are, quote-unquote, religious, more specifically, that we're followers of Jesus. And they say, what? I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to have anything to do with this church and and religion and all the whatever bad words that they can think of. They don't want to have anything to do with that because they see how we speak. And even non-Christians understand that our hearts, or what drive our mouths, right? We talked about this last week because when we speak, our, our, the words that come out of our mouths reflect the condition of our hearts. Listen, if you have Adolf Hitler and Mother Teresa in the same room together, would Mother Teresa curse you upside one and down the other when you met her and Adolf Hitler said, I hope you have a blessed life and may the Lord of the universe watch over you all the days that you're alive. Would Hitler say that? And would Mother Teresa curse you? No, that would be weird. That would be like satire beyond belief. You couldn't, you couldn't process that, right? What would we expect? We'd expect Mother Teresa to bless us, and we'd expect Hitler to curse us, right? Why is that? We don't know them, but that's what we know would happen. It's because we know that the heart of one is good, and the heart of one is bad, of the other is bad. And so we don't, as we look to our lives, we don't gain anything by belittling other people. All we do is reveal a brokenness in our hearts. We're telling people when we belittle them that we don't have strong relationship with God, we don't really know God, we're estranged from Him, and we're just taking it all out on you. That's what our words say. We don't gain anything by being that way with other people. Uh, it's way better to remain quiet than to chant hurt. Now, this is an interesting thing because you would think the Bible would say when you have someone who comes to you and tries to um, and, and you're, well, they come to you and they, they try to talk to you about this, that, the other, and you're talking to them, and it's very easy for you to belittle them. You know, you would think that the Bible would say something like, turn the, turn the belittling word into a positive word, you know? Um, but that can be really hard to do. Let me give an example from my life. One job I had, um, I, well, it's a church job, I'll just go ahead and be honest. And I've had first four church jobs, so you'll have to just run the percentage chance of which church it was. Um, but one of the church jobs I took, um, one of the pastoral roles I had, I, I, the first week I was there, I met with someone from the church. They were a leader in the church. And I had no idea why this person wanted to meet with me, just, just no idea. And we went to lunch, and the person spent the whole lunch time driving there, driving back, and our whole time eating, trying to fish to get me to say things that would be negative about the church or negative about people in the church. Just they were as a fishing expedition. All they would say is things trying to get me to say things that would belittle someone or belittle the church or something that they could take back and then tell the church that I had said. I mean, it was obvious from the beginning. They didn't even make a, a, they didn't make even make a pretense. It was just obvious that that's what it was, a big fishing expedition. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, this is just my personal example. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what to say. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor, you said Jesus loves you. 
or, or maybe get out of him, you know, foul spirit. I don't know, right? Um, I didn't know what to say because it was a difficult situation. And I would like to say that Jesus loves you or something like that would work, but I don't know that it would because this guy is representing himself as a leader in the church, even though his heart was, was very far from it. So you know what I did for two hours? I just said nothing. I just said nothing. I mean, he kept trying, and, and he would say, well, aren't you, why aren't you talking? You're, you're, you know, are, are you sick? Do you feel bad? And I would say, no, just enjoying my meal. Just, I'm listening. So he'd keep fishing. I'd say, well, I'm just listening. You know, he asked, well, don't you have an opinion on this? I'd say, no, I'm just, I'm just listening right now. Just listen. I just, just want to hear what you have to say because I really value it, right? I didn't know what to say. But I knew that if I said something, that my words would be used against me, and it would be, I would be guilty of going in with him. And the best I could do was just say nothing at all. And I think the Bible is a very honest book in many cases, because God knows that there are going to be lots of times in our lives where we're in a bad situation. Maybe it's at work where people are fighting and they're bickering, and the boss is involved, and it's a big mess, and and, and, you know, we'd love to say, hey, can't you just get along? But they're not going to hear us. And so it's better sometimes just to not say anything at all, at least according to the Bible, than, than say something that will be hurtful to someone else. You know, maybe we're in an argument with someone and we're really te- they say something bad about us. And we're really tempted. We're like, mm. you know, I just want to respond to that mean insult. And at that point in time, we're in no condition when someone says to us, hey, you're a big fat loser, right? And, and we're like, and so it's better just to, just to let it go and just say nothing at all than to belittle someone else and demonstrate that your heart is farther away from God than you would like it to be. So it's better, according to the Bible, again, a book that's oftentimes very honest and very blunt about the way it is to live in our, in our world. Um, it's better sometimes to just be quiet because that may be our best defense and our best opportunity not to belittle and hurt other people with our words third idea real quickly here tonight is that we must avoid gossip at all costs not only belittling other people but gossip is a big issue um, for many of us that who are really you know we're on the fence because we love god and we're trying but we, we keep drifting away from him and it's very easy for us to get involved in gossip and speak badly about other people and to pass it around um, our office or our families or whatever it may be gossip um, is words that are perverse and contagious Last week, we talked about perverse words, right? So we talked about this issue um, that when the Bible talks about perverse language, um, it doesn't primarily mean vulgarity. Now, vulgarity may be bad, but the Bible doesn't really address it that much. Now, some of you I know may not be thrilled about me saying that. We can fight about that later. My concern is just to present the biblical evidence as it is. So the Bible is not as much concerned about vulgarity as it is about us hurting and damaging other people with our words. Which, by the way, could be a form of vulgarity, of course. Um, but when we talked last week about perverse language, what was perverse language according to the Bible? Perverse language was taking the words that someone else speaks, taking those words, turning those words around, using against them, twisting it into their heart and their life for meanness, and what? Most importantly, taking the light and doing it, right? Well, gossip is the same way. Gossip is taking the words that we hear and being perverse about them, which means uh, twisting them and um, taking delight in doing it, and contagious, right? That's what gossip is. Gossip is very contagious. Hey, let me just mention um, here tonight, I have swine flu. 
See you later, Pastor, right? Everybody's moving towards the door um, because they're really worried about me having swine flu. All right, let me just be honest here. I don't actually have swine flu that I'm aware of. Um, but how would you feel if I did have swine flu? It would weird you out. You would be, like, ready to leave. I mean, you would be not, you know, thrilled about me having swine flu. Why? Because it's contagious. You don't want to be around it. In the same way, gossip is very contagious. When you go to work and you have a coworker who's always gossiping, how easy when you get around that person is it to just continue in the path that they've laid? How easy it is it for also for us to gossip as well? It's very easy. I mean, when, when you look at me, when I look at my life, I have sins that I put on the definitely struggle with side, right? And then there are other sins that I put on the don't struggle with much side. Now, maybe I'm in uh, uh, self-denial or something. That's a possibility. But, but I usually put gossip on the side of sins that I don't struggle with that much. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. I mean, believe me, the side that I struggle with is big. Don't worry about that, okay? But on the side where of things that I don't struggle with as much, I believe gossip is one of those. But I'm going to tell you what. If I get around to gossip, what's going to happen? It's going to be very easy for me to want to gossip too. Did you know that Jane was pregnant and no one knows who the dad is? Can you believe it? I can't believe that either. Does Bob know that? Let's tell him, you know. So everyone will know, right? It's very easy for us to do that. Why? Because gossip is very contagious. And here's what happens. When our heart is estranged from God, as the opening proverb in this section says, when our heart is estranged from God, our defenses, our inoculations, our immunizations against gossip are far diminished, and it's much easier for us to be susceptible to it than if our heart was right with God. And that's where the key is, because our heart needs to be right with God, and if it is, it will take care of so many other things. We will be inoculated to gossip. We will not belittle people with our language. We will be able to speak in a way that will bless other people and build them up rather than tear them down. Keeping confidence also reveals our heart condition. We won't dwell on this a whole lot tonight, um, but the Bible tells us real quickly here that those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. And really what it comes down to is that when we are able to, be com to hold a confidence, that when we are able to be trustworthy in our words, it demonstrates what? That we are trustworthy in our heart too. If, if someone gossips about you at work, are you then going to lend them $100 thinking you'll ever get it back? No, why not? You would never lend that person $100 because you figure if she can talk bad about a bunch of people, then she can go spend your money and never give it back to you, right? And so we don't, we don't trust people like that. And the problem is, as Christians, is that we want people to have confidence in us. Why? Because we are supposed to be um, Jesus' hands, feet, his mouth into our world. People, when they see us, should see Christ reflected in our lives. And when we belittle people, we, we gossip about people, we do things that do not build up trust, that tear people down. All it does is say that this person is not like God, or if they are, I don't want to know God. And of course, people will look and they will, they will consider whether or not to follow God or not based on what we say, just as much, if not more, than how we act. I mean, they, they both go hands in hand. Our words, our actions are both critically important. Um, I, if I do a series on actions, I might emphasize actions and how people respond to those more. But certainly, when we gossip, when we belittle people, it does not encourage anyone to come and know Jesus. And really, we want to be able to build confidence with them so that they will have the freedom and they'll have the possibility of honestly pursuing and asking questions about Jesus and really knowing him. Our heart is going to determine our mouths. 
So we have to decide tonight whether we want our heart to be estranged from God by the time Wednesday hits or whether we want our heart to be broken and pure and following after Jesus every single day of our lives. And if so, our lives will be different. Earlier, I mentioned this, that if we speak badly of people, it damages not just one person, not just a lot of people, but it also damages me too, right? What would happen, what would happen if you went to work on Monday and no one at your workplace ever spoke bad about anyone else? Wouldn't that be really cool? Would that be a workplace you'd like to go to? What if you went to a family reunion and none of your relatives ever said anything bad about any of your other relatives? Would that make you want to go more? Oh yeah, it would, wouldn't it? What would happen if you yourself here tonight, specifically, spoke with goodness and righteousness only to the people around you? How would that improve your life? Not just their life, but your life. Would it make a difference? Absolutely it would. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you tonight, and Father, we ask that our hearts would not be estranged from you, but that we would be able to speak with goodness and integrity because our hearts are good and integral and related to you. Father, I pray tonight for all of us that we would really pursue you with a passion that is uh, unquenched by anything in our world so that our words would be encouraging and building others up. Lord, I know it's easy for us to be tempted um, to tear others down rather than build them up. But Father, my prayer for all of us tonight is that our words would be good and righteous and wholesome and pure and would be committed we would be committed to building others up around us. Father, make it happen in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.